You're invited to join thousands of Episcopalians, neighbors, and friends this summer at the Love Always Revival at the KFC Yum Center in Louisville, Kentucky. On Saturday, June 22nd, get immersed in inspiring worship and community, deepen your love for God, kick off the 81st General Convention, and extend a warm welcome to folks discovering the Episcopal Church. The revival is free to attend, so bring your friends. If you're from a neighboring diocese, check in with your diocesan revival champion to find out about group travel options. You can find more information along with registration at iam.ec slash lovealways. This is Bishop Michael Curry, and you're listening to The Way of Love. In this episode of The Way of Love, I talk with the Reverend Russell Levinson, rector of St. Martin's Episcopal Church in Houston and author of the new book, Witness to Dignity, The Life and Faith of George H.W. and Barbara Bush. Father Levinson has served as rector of St. Martin's since 2007. With nearly 10,000 members, St. Martin's is the largest Episcopal church in North America. He co-officiated and offered the homily at the state funeral for President Bush in Washington, D.C., and in Houston. He also officiated and preached at the funeral for First Lady Barbara Bush in Houston. We discuss the model and legacy of quiet, steadfast faith left by President and Mrs. Bush and how their lives can inspire ours today. Russ, thanks for being with us. You've got a new book out. Witness, witness to dignity. And and it's the story of President and Mrs. Bush, certainly in their later days, but it's the story of their faith. So anyway, why'd you write the book? Tell I mean what I mean it, obviously they're fascinating people, but but why did you write the book? Well, thank you, Presiding Bishop, and thank you for inviting me on. I'm I'm so grateful, as I as I said to you almost every time we're together, for your mm-hmm. ministry and your leadership. What you have provided has has really been just a long season of incredible encouragement to the church, and and we see uh, your contagious enthusiasm, optimism, and faith is really inspiring to those of us who uh, are in a parish week after week. Uh, but you have to be mm-hmm. in different parishes day after day. And <laughs> yes, day after day. So, <laughs> so grateful for what you do and what you, the way you preach and what you teach is what we're we're really all about. So thank you for having me on. Thank you, brother. And um, and I will say, yeah, I, I kind of had four goals in mind. Uh, I did not uh, think about writing a book in our entire 11 and a half year relationship. It wasn't on my radar. Mm-hmm. And uh-huh. um, I, I didn't, people ask me, and I say this early in the book, you know, were you taking notes in those years? And I think right. I really wasn't. I kept the calendar, but, um, and there was one vignette that I kind of did write down. Um, but other than that, no. And, and so it's been four years, hard to believe four years and, and a little bit more since their deaths. And I would say about a year after their deaths, I really started, I kind of, I had read lots of things about the president and Barbara and, um, and I, you know, but there's not a lot about their faith. There's a little bit about their faith, yeah. not a lot about their faith. Right. And that's really the way I came to know them. So as mm-hmm. I begin in the book, I'm not writing about politics or history or there's uh-huh. some of that as a way of introduction. Sure. 
But I said, you know, my relationship really was to walk with them in their in their latter years and their senior years. Mm -hmm. And all that I observed in those 11 and a half years was the dignity. And so I, I really uh -huh. I, I saw them. I saw them serve with dignity because they served really as long as they possibly could until the health, health prevented mm -hmm. them from doing so. They aged with dignity and mm -hmm. they and they died with dignity. And and that kind of theme began to kind of bubble up. And then the other thing was, President Bishop, we, we um, as you know, have just gone under a, a tremendous renovation of our campus. Right. And so we moved all kinds of records and letters and things around. And, mm -hmm. and I kept all of their letters together. And as we were moving back into the new offices, I began to go through reams of letters and emails oh. and exchanges. And, and I thought, what, you know, what do we do with it? Do these just go away? Do they, yeah. do we send them down to the library? You know, and I thought, no, really, I want people to see this. And so with the support of the family and the encouragement, you know, I, I wrote them and asked them all for permission and mm -hmm. um, sure. began to pull it together. And my goal was to really honor them, uh, honor yeah. the president and Barbara, to honor their faith, Mm -hmm. to honor our faith in the Episcopal tradition. Mm -hmm. And then finally, uh, what I what I hoped to do was invite the reader, uh, whoever the reader might be, into some sort of internal dialogue about uh, the way in which things are happening in the public square now, mm -hmm. uh, as opposed to the way in which they happened, uh, you know, uh, basically a generation ago when the president was in office. Yes. Yeah, that, that was the reason. And, uh, and to put it out there, and I think uh, the, the wide variety of endorsements, which I appreciated, including your mm -hmm. own. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, we had, I think, somewhere around 20, 25 endorsements across mm -hmm. political lines, across mm -hmm. uh, uh, ideological lines, conservatives and liberals and, you know, Republicans and Democrats. I mean, that people sure. kind of jumped on and said, yeah, this is a story that needed to be told. And, uh, mm -hmm. and I appreciated that support. Let me ask you this. There is a kind of graciousness in both of them, right. with both of them, I'm, yeah. and and the graciousness that 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 did make it possible for that kind of those kind of relationships, uh, both public relationships, political relationships, uh, familiar, and on on and on and on. Do you think that was because they came out of an era mm -hmm. where that was possible, mm -hmm. and is that possible? that kind of graciousness for us now? In other words, do they have a lesson for us? Is there yeah. something we can learn from them? Yes, I, I think there is. And I, I will say it, it's always possible. You know, it should always be possible. That mm -hmm. graciousness, I think, and it's a great word, grew out of their faith. I mean, they were both grown, they both brought up in the faith. Mm -hmm. They didn't wear it on their sleeve. And I, yeah. I've said this in a lot of circles now, and I, I, I mentioned this in the book. I don't think I ever witnessed them using their faith or their church or their religion to further a specific cause. Mm -hmm. They were mm -hmm. shaped by their faith, baptized, mm -hmm. confirmed, although Barbara was confirmed late in life during my uh -huh. tenure. She, she waited on her confirmation until oh, okay. years before her death. And yeah. uh, George Carey actually came and did that for us. And they were, they were, they lived through a lot. They lived through World War II mm -hmm. and they, yeah. they saw the hardness of life. They lived through the, suffering and death of their daughter, Robin. And, right. um, and, you know, when, when the president, you know, talked about a kinder, gentler nation, yeah. I, don't, I don't think that was just something he desired. I think that's something everyone desired. He caught the wind of that, 
you know, a hunger. Mm-hmm. And don't we all want to live in a kind world? Yeah. And I think that kindness uh, came through. And I would say this, not, and I'm, this wasn't pre pre-planned. Our conversation wasn't pre-planned, right. but I think they were authentic people. I mean, you've met them and when yeah. you're with them, I think the person in the pew and in the audience and in, uh-huh. the, you know, people have good antenna. You know, I yeah. often tell people when I, what do you try to do when you preach? I said, well, people under, people know if you're authentic or not. Yes, and, they do. Um, and I think people sense that when they hear you preach, they, they know the person mm-hmm. I'm seeing in the pulpit uh, is the person I could meet outside of the pulpit, mm-hmm. which is my experience with you. But that's also mm-hmm. been my experience with the Bushes. You, there was no kind of two personalities. And, oh, okay. and, and that day when you and I were at the National Cathedral right before the state funeral, the day mm-hmm. before, I, I did an interview with some, it was an English reporter from it wasn't BBC four, but it was channel four in the, in London. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And, you know, he kind of leaned in. I won't fake the accent. I could try, but I won't. <laughs> as, a, as, a, oh, as a great litany says, spare yeah. us. Good Lord. Especially <laughs> a Southerner like me. I don't want to fake a British accent. But, you know, he kind of leaned in, you know, as British reporters love scandals. He said, well, can, can you tell us something, yeah. you know, that, that we don't know about the president and Barbara? And I said, well, what you probably don't know is the people you see are actually the same people that are behind the scenes. And I said, yeah. a lot of people think they're two people. They're not. They're the same people and they're authentic, real people. And I think, again, I think that grew out of their faith. The older they got, Bishop, I think one of the things that I observed and I said, I spoke a moment about aging with dignity. I mean, uh-huh. the, the, the witness that I could say, I would tell every Episcopalian, and I, and I still tell people this, that the, the president and Barbara came to church every week unless they were really ill or yeah. traveling. Yeah. And so, you know, we have lots of you and I know we have lots of people who come yeah. when they when everything else is out of off the agenda and uh-huh. they the, it was the first thing on their plate. And so and you saw the way in which they did that when the president when I got to Houston in 07, the president was healthy and tall and strong. Big. He was a big man, uh-huh. six, six, one, six, two. Uh-huh. He went from that to walking with a cane, to walking with a walker, to coming in a wheelchair. And, you know, and he didn't let that keep him from worshiping his Lord yes. and uh, our Lord. And, um, and that says a lot. How did they, did you get a real sense of, I mean, I know it was the Lord at the core of their faith, mm-hmm. but, but how did they nurture that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cause it's not easy. No, it's and, not. and I think for a lot of folk who are listening to this, look, we just came out of a pandemic um, and the world is crazy. I mean, you know, let, let me just put a, a fine sociological term to it. The world is crazy. <laughs> and um, some, how did they keep the faith? Because they did. Right. And yeah. it wasn't just habit, although I don't want to undervalue habit. But you saw them. You saw them at the core of their faith at some of their more, more difficult times. Uh-huh. How'd they do it? I think wor- worship was key. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the, not their faithfulness, but the faithfulness of our Lord. I mean, I think mm-hmm. they experienced his presence throughout their lives again and again. You know, um, when Robin died, uh, their yeah. daughter died, you know, mm-hmm. but, you know, but in, in the course of her treatment, and a lot of people don't know this, that the president, mm-hmm. that was in 
small town in Texas at the time where they were. And, and on his way to work every day, he would stop at his little church and pray every morning, no cameras, nobody around six 30 yeah. in the morning. Yeah. Uh, he knew where to go. And, and when, when she died, when Robin died, the Barbara would say that was one of the most intensely spiritual moments in her entire life was being there at the time of her daughter's death, showing mm-hmm. up, offering prayers. And so as I spoke about their faithfulness to coming to worship mm-hmm. when they couldn't come, and particularly the last few years, 16, 17, 18, up to their deaths, um, I would take communion to them, but they really wanted that. And and yeah. so we would come and we'd chat and we'd watch TV or we pet the dog or talk about the kids and all that but we always ended with communion and um and i I will tell you you the president was a man who was not afraid to shed tears and um he loved he had these big beefy hands and he would and at the end of our prayer he would hold out his he would want to hold hands and pray Mm. and um and often when we got to the end he would be in tears just in that moment of of prayer um and so a lot of our conversations particularly in the last year were it was funny because they always began by asking about you regardless of how they were doing how are you yeah. how are your children how are you doing how's the yeah. church you know they love talking yeah. but um but they would always end with i love you and they meant that i love you and say, oh, I love you the president likes to say love you more so if you started first you say, oh yeah yeah so love you more love, love you more, more. <laughs> i've got a cousin who does that yeah <laughs> um, but i think that they they believed and they experienced that barbara used to say when all the crowds are gone and the dust is settled the mm-hmm. only thing that matters and and remains is uh, family friends and faith yeah. and that's true How can you cultivate a life, as the Reverend Levinson said, in which your praying shapes your believing? What what are some, actually you just shared some, but I'm wondering about some moments that you remember that touched your core of faith. Yeah, I mean, so many. Um, we do this for all the people we're called to serve. And I remember the first, we did not expect Barbara to pass away before the president, of course. So we, but right. that, so there was this kind of switcheroo there, honestly. Yeah. And so when Barbara died, uh, it, it, you know, we were suddenly put thrust into a moment of, of serving in a very public way. But I had letters from all over the world after watching our liturgy. I, after a while, I have oh, yeah. all yeah. over the world saying, uh, where does that service come from? That was one of the, I said, well, we have this book. <laughs> it's, called, yeah. it's called the Book of Common Prayer. And I, I said, you know, actually I had, and, and this is true, within 10 days of Barbara's death, we had four other funerals at St. Martin's. And I, wow. and I said to people, and you know what? We had really four other funerals. And, and other than those who attended, it looked pretty much the same. Uh-huh. Entering those moments were incredible. Being with Barr at the time of her death, and and Bishop, I I walked through both her death and his death in the book, mm-hmm. almost yeah. moment by moment, almost pretty much from yeah. memory because it was so startling and so spoke of our faith. Uh, I mean, in her moment of death, um, and I I don't think I've told this in any of my interviews. It's in the book. But I'll tell this. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. she um, she as many people do, she'd been ill and then she rallied yeah. for a day 
And uh, in fact, I had gone to the house the day that everybody thought she was leaving us. And I, I, the president asked me to go up and see her and I knocked on the door and, and, and Barr called out and she said, I'm not checking out yet. But can I kind of come pray with you? So we prayed together and, uh, and the next day she rallied. And then the next yeah. day she began to descend quickly and, um, and the power went out in our community. And, and I will say it doesn't, that doesn't happen very much in this part of Houston. It just doesn't happen. But the power went out that morning, early in the morning. It was out mm-hmm. most of the day. And we were all sitting with her and praying with her and reading to her. And, and she was irresponsible. She wasn't responsive, but with the exception of I heard her last word, which was her last word was actually home, home. But um, the oh, oh my what? Say it again. Home, H-O-M-E. That was her last word. Home. Home. Really? And the, oh. the doctor said, you know, we're, we're at the end. If so, if anybody wants to say anything, now's the time. And so yeah. fam, we all knelt around her bed and we were all praying and laying hands on her. The president was holding her hand, didn't didn't let go of her hand at all during the day. Plus, he had to be excused for a particular reason. And so one of the sons, Neil Bush, said, Russ, I think you need to pray now. And so I, I prayed the prayers at the time of death. Mm-hmm. Depart, O Christian soul, out of this world. Mm-hmm. And, and when I said, Amen, uh, she took her last breath. Mm-hmm. And the doctor said, um, Mr. President, she's gone. And he said, he said, what? And, and the doctor said, Mr. President, she's gone to heaven now. Yeah. And Bishop, at that moment, the power came back on in all of this area of Houston. In that very moment. And I, and the president's uh, daughter-in-law looked at me and said, what does that mean? We're still all on our knees. Yep, right. <laughs> praying and crying. And I said, I said, she said, what does that mean? I said, I don't know. <laughs> but let's yeah. take it for what it's worth. And, yeah. and it was a powerful moment, as is being with somebody in death. But, but of course, there was a passing of an era. And the yeah. president's death as well, being with him uh, at the time of his death and being with his friends and watching, mm-hmm. as I mentioned in my funeral homily, Jim Baker rub his feet, uh-huh. reminding right. me of our Lord. Right. You know? So the, those were intensely powerful. I will say, sharing that moment in Washington with you, and yeah. uh, which I tell in the book, I, Tell about you and I waiting in line for someone to show oh, yeah. up. It's one of the yeah. one of the one of the presidents that we waited yes. on, and uh, and yes. when he passed, and you and, and then you pulled me aside and um, and yeah. said, "I'm going to pray for you." And I've told that story to many people because it was a, pow- a powerful moment for me. People said, "You know who was in the audience?" Well, of course, you've preached to people like this all the time. Well, I don't, but yeah, but, you do. But you know who was going to in the audience? You know who was yeah. gonna, I said, "You know what." Presiding Bishop pulled me aside, put his hands on my head, made the sign of the cross. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what he prayed, but I remember what he said, yeah. go preach the gospel. And I said, yeah, that's what I needed. And I, and, and I knew did. people were praying for me all over the world, but that I really didn't think at all about the camera that day. I thought about, here's yeah. an opportunity to, again, like this book, lift up their faith, lift yes. up our faith. That's exactly what you did. It was, it was one of the finest sermons I've ever heard. Oh, thank you. That, that is, that's exactly what you did. Well, thank you. What are some of the lessons, the takeaways for the rest of us yeah. from their faith in life? Because their faith was not um, merely an academic faith. Right. I mean, there's a role for that, but it wasn't merely an academic faith. It wasn't just ideas. And, and it wasn't... Um, 
excuse me for saying it, saccharine sweet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, it was kind of real. It was not kind of, it was real. Mm-hmm. What are some of the lessons our tradition loves? Um, the, the reason we have saints and worthies is what are the lessons we can learn from their lives mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that we can apply in our lives and our walk with Christ? You know, yeah. what are some of the lessons from these two remarkable people? Thank you. Well, I think, you know, I, I want to say it for, at the front end, I, I mean, as, as I've been kind of making a little tour with this, a lot of people w- will say to me, well, they, you know, they weren't saints. And I go, oh, no, I know they weren't saints. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no. Everybody, they, right. the president is one of the most competitive people in the world. I mean, they, oh, they, yeah. they were, politics is hard business, but. Of course, the funny thing is the actual saints weren't saints in that no, sense. That's right. <laughs> I mean, they were normal people. Right? Right. <laughs> I, you know, I, I believe in our doctrine of sanctification. And I, yes. I, I think the longer they lived in the faith, the more saintly they became. And as we say in the Episcopal Church, praying shapes believing. But I also think if praying shapes believing, then our believing shapes our living. Yes. And so I think you see in them, if you stand back and look at their lives or the lives of countless other saints Mm -hmm. who've gone before, the lesson is to keep praying and keep holding on to that belief and let that belief shape who you are. So when you encounter them, I often tell people, if you run into people in Houston, which you do all the time, who, who met them, met them at Walgreens, met them at the grocery, met them at the gas station. Yeah. Every, you don't, you didn't just meet them. You have a story. Because, oh yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and, but the stories are always, I can't believe how kind they were. I can't believe how mm. uh, sweet they were. I can't believe how humble they were, how self-effacing they were. Mm. And uh, all those are things that we hear about or, that are qualities of a life in the spirit. Humility, kindness, gentleness. Yes. And, and I, so I, I, the lesson for us is how do you look at people like that and go, oh, that's right. That's the way we're supposed to live with one another, particularly those with whom we might have a disagreement. I don't yeah. think the president ever thought that his political opponents were, were enemies, as we talk now yeah. so much in the public square. They're our enemy. Yeah. We need to go. We need to defeat them in battle, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. They, they didn't do that. And, and I love telling this story, which is not the book, but it, but it, it bespeaks the era. And, and again, I'm not talking about politics here. I think this bespeaks an era in which people lived in a certain way that we need yeah. to return to. Sure. Lord help us, we need to return to. But after President Reagan was shot and, and was recovering in the hospital, mm. a lot of people don't mm-hmm. remember um, that the first person who visited him as he was coming out of his surgery. There was an aide in the room who reports this story. And I confirmed it with Jim Baker, who of course is a member of our church as well. Mm-hmm. But the aide was seeing with President Reagan and in walks Tip O'Neill, the Democratic Speaker Please. of the House, uh-huh. one of his most vehement opponents, not oh, in yeah. yeah. This is the first visitor. Big man walks in, comes over, kneels down, takes the hand of the president, mm-hmm. kneels down, recites the 23rd Psalm, mm-hmm. prays with him, yeah. Kisses him on the hand and gets up and says, I'm going I'm to leave you to recover now, Mr. President. No, there's no picture of that. There were yeah. no cameras around. Mm. And, and, I, and, I, and I say to people, now look at where things are now and where yeah. has that gone? Lord Jesus, help us. Mm. Help us. Mm. <laughs> you are so right. Mm. What about you? Mm-hmm. You, I mean, you are a guy of remarkable faith mm-hmm. and, 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 and St. And I, and I say you and St. Martin's is a remarkable church. Hmm. Tell us about St. Martin's. Before, I mean, before we go, I'm, 
people to know about St. Martin's. I mean, it, one of the most joyous times I had was spending some time with y'all. I mean, what what about what is tell us about St. Martin's? Oh, it's a uh, it's a wonderful church. I've been here almost sixteen years, and I honestly feel like it got I was I got here yesterday. Uh, mm-hmm. It has gone by so fast. I have enjoyed every single day. There have been yeah. hard days, but as there are in ministry. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, but I I have not ever felt like oh boy I shouldn't have, have come. It's a it's a or it's an organically alive church. Uh-huh. People really do embody, I think, that wonderful prayer from the prayer book, Charlie Price's prayer, page 836 uh-huh. of the prayer book, to know Christ and to make him known. Make him known. And yeah. and I, I think people really do, they hunger to know Christ. They come to uh-huh. know him in this place. And then they and then they desire to make him known, not just in their words, but in their ways, as you know, and Saul, yeah. we're very committed to making a difference in our community. 25% yeah. of our budget goes outside the door. Yep. Some fashion that includes diocesan support, support sure. of your work and others. Sure. Um, sure. And we don't support things where we don't have boots on the ground. So last year we had uh-huh. something like 8,000 uh, individual hours given by members of, the, of St. Martin's to service in the community. And I just stand back and I, I watch with amazement that, that they do this. And every now and then I'll have somebody call. I mean, we, we continue to grow. Yeah. Thanks be to God. Even during COVID, we added 300 and some odd members during COVID, uh-huh. uh, virtually some, but, uh, yeah. and, yeah. um, and they'll say, what's, so what's the secret sauce? What? And I said, well, <laughs> the secret sauce is Jesus. Yes, it is. <laughs> so, there you go. <laughs> so I don't oversimplify it, but we don't have a manual. We don't have a book, but people hunger today to know our Lord. And, and yeah. so we invite people to be in a relationship with him. Yeah. And a personal way, I, as I tell people, I tell my Baptist friends when they say, well, y'all don't ever have an altar call. I say, well, actually, we have one every week. Every week. And every, every week, everybody comes. And it's <laughs> at an altar. <laughs> and, um, but then once you kind of do that, uh, as I said, you know, what's, what's the heart? I, I said this to somebody the other day. I said, what's the heart fills with a healthy blood? The two yeah. arteries that come out of that heart, that, in the heart for the church, of course, is our Lord, in relationship with our Lord. But yeah. then the, the, the oxygen-filled blood that goes out is to to proclaim him both in our words and in our ways. Yes. And so it does, one without the other doesn't work. You can't just do the ways, can't just do the words. And I, and I do think, Bishop, and you and I have talked about this, um, I, you know, I, I know a lot of our church um, has really gotten absorbed into the world that is talked about on, and I'll just use both CNN and Fox. <laughs> those two, uh-huh. those two news outlets. <laughs> and those stories, those are the stories everybody talks about, regardless oh, yeah. of who you watch. But people don't come to church to hear what you hear on the news. They come yeah. because they want to be con- connected with our Lord. And yeah. uh, and I will say, I think that I'll, I'll tell people part of the secret yeah. sauce is to avoid the temptation of trying to be too relevant. You remember Tom Owens? He was a theologian. Uh, Tom Oden, who's a theologian, writes a book. Oh, Oden. And, oh, yes, yes. Yeah. And and he begins yeah. that book by saying, if the if the church tries too hard to be relevant, it mm. will lose its message altogether and become simply a sanctification of the world around it. So if we try mm. to line up too much with the world, then yeah. we're going to end up looking like the world, whereas our job is to help shape the world. You know, and and there's a lot of disappointment right now. I know in the way things are, and here we are a few days past uh, uh, King's birthday and his day, mm-hmm. 
And, um, and I end the book with one of his quotes, one of my favorite quotes, which everybody remembers, uh, we, we must learn to live with finite disappointment, but never give up infinite hope. Infinite hope. Yes. And I, I, I think, um, I, I'm an optimist. Um, uh, yeah. and I constantly, I, I would agree with Dr. King. Yep. There are a lot of things about yeah. which we could be disappointed today, but yeah. we have a different story to share. And that story yeah. is one of hope and and that lives can be transformed and when those lives are transformed and praying shapes believing our believing can change the world and we cannot yes. give up on that we cannot yes give up on that. well that's a note of blessing that i guess we got to end on that you you took us from the valley to the mountaintop my brother you and your ministry are utterly remarkable i really appreciate being with you and uh, I, I do hope people read the book because it helps tell the story but it helps tell our story and it's a reminder it's our story. of how wonderful yes. the Episcopal Church is and the faith that has been entrusted to us. And thank you for all you do. Oh, thank you for all you do. And for this book, Witness to Dignity, it can be picked up and gotten at any bookseller you have, near physical bookseller, um, online, you can get it. Witness to Dignity by the Reverend Russ Levinson. Russ, thank you and God bless you. Thank you, sir. Learn about the way of love and creating your own rule of life based around the practices of turn, learn, pray, worship, bless, go, and rest. And check out Father Levinson's new book, Witness to Dignity, online or at your favorite independent bookstore. The Way of Love podcast executive producer is Jeremy Tackett. Our podcast engineer is Ellie Singer. Research and guest relations are managed by Amanda Scofstead, and our project manager is Chris Sikama. I'm Michael Curry, and I'll see you next time on The Way of Love. God love you.